My name is Kat, and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back to the PA the FI Way podcast. You are likely a current or future PA, or possibly you are just interested in learning more about the PA profession or about financial independence. During this episode today, I would like to review some tactics for the pre-PA students out there. I would like to talk about some personal finance and financial independence tips for the pre-PA students, whether you are in high school, undergrad, or are in the process of applying to PA school. All right, let's first start with those high school students who already know that the PA profession is for you. Now, some of you may be thinking, who in high school knows that they want to become a physician assistant? Well, I was actually one of those students I tore my ACL, my first and last time skiing, when I was 14, so I was introduced to the PA profession back then, and when I was a junior and senior in high school, I really wanted to figure out which career path I was headed towards before applying to different colleges, so I decided back in high school that the PA profession was the right profession for me. Many high school students may choose the PA profession because perhaps you are a somewhat of a nerd like I was and loved science, so you wanted to combine your book smarts with the love of science to help others. Or perhaps you decided that you wanted to choose a profession that is projected to have a high growth rate. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has projected that the growth rate for PA employment will be 31% from the years 2018 through 2028. So if you are a pre-PA student in high school, you are likely listening to this podcast because you also want to try to figure out ways of going into college and becoming a PA without diving too deeply into a lot of debt. So let's review some options of how to do just that. My first suggestion for you would be try to take AP or dual enrollment courses in high school. If you are a pre-PA student in high school wishing to pursue a medical career, you likely have some pretty good book smarts. Well, why not take AP or dual enrollment courses to get both high school credit and earn free college credit? I personally attended a very small private Christian high school, so I was not afforded the opportunity to take these types of classes as my school simply did not offer them at the time. However, I can see how being able to take these types of classes would be incredibly beneficial and allow you to earn free college credit. 
If you have the opportunity to take these classes, definitely look into them as an option. However, it is also very important that you do your research to see which of these class options would be accepted by the college that you are planning to attend. The next suggestion that I have for you would be to take CLEP exams. Although I could not take AP or dual enrollment courses at my high school, I was able to take CLEP exams to test out of a few classes while still earning college credits for a fraction of the cost. Again, you definitely would need to do your research to see if the college that you are hoping to attend accepts CLEP credits. Additionally, you would want to research one step further to see which PA schools that you are ultimately hoping to apply to will accept CLEP credits as well. For example, there are several PA programs out there that will not accept CLEP for prerequisite classes before applying to the PA program, but they may accept CLEP testing for other undergrad classes that are not considered prerequisites. The next step that I would recommend for pre-PA high school students would be to earn a great ACT or SAT score. Many colleges and universities require all students to take at least one of these types of tests before they apply to their college or university. However, if you are able to achieve a great or excellent score, you are also more likely to receive a merit-based scholarship from the school to which you are applying. This brings me to my next recommendation. I encourage you to apply to a lot of scholarships. Although I did receive some scholarships, this is an area where I feel as though I fell a bit short. Let me explain. As I had mentioned, sometimes a great ACT or SAT score may help you in getting some merit-based scholarships. This was the case for me. I decided to attend a community college to start with, and I was surprised to find out that I received a merit-based scholarship simply because of applying to that college. This scholarship was awarded based on my application, which included my GPA in high school, my ACT score, extracurricular activities, etc. At the time, I also did apply to a few other smaller scholarships and was rewarded a couple of other smaller scholarships as well. However, here is where as though I feel I came up a bit short in regards to scholarships. With that merit-based scholarship for my first two years at a community college, It was truly amazing to have those two years of my undergrad be completely free. However, I truly feel as though that played a role in me not pursuing and applying to other scholarship opportunities. I believe I was thinking something along the lines of, well, school is already free at this time. Why would I need to apply to other scholarships? Well, here is why. I still had two more years of undergrad to complete and ultimately to pay for. To finish my bachelor's degree, I did end up going to a local private college because I liked the smaller feel of the college. Another factor that played into my decision-making process at the time was the only PA program in my state at the time also. So I thought perhaps finishing my bachelor's degree at the school may give me somewhat of an advantage when I was applying to their PA program for my master's. Ultimately, I did not end up going there for my PA program. However, that college did give me a scholarship when I transferred there to finish my bachelor's, 
but I did still end up having to pay for approximately 50% of the cost of the tuition for the two years to complete my bachelor's degree. I have heard some people have such success with applying to scholarships that they have actually been awarded so many scholarships that have been equivalent or even exceeding the total amount of their tuition. There are so many types of scholarships out there. I encourage you to research your different options and apply to many of them throughout both your high school and your college years. My next recommendation for you would be to plan to go to a community college at least to start your college education. This is because community colleges are typically so much more affordable than state or private colleges. It is seriously amazing to see how much someone can save by simply attending a community college. And here's the secret. Literally, no one cares where you earned your college degree, especially the first two years. It just simply does not matter. Now, what does matter to help you get into a PA program is that you at least get good, if not great, grades in undergrad before applying to PA school, as GPA is one of the several factors that PA programs review when considering an applicant. But if you do the work and are able to get good grades at a community college versus a fancy and expensive university, you still will have an excellent shot of getting into PA school. Of course, the seemingly small catch is that most community colleges do not offer bachelor's degrees. However, there are some that do now partner with other local colleges to offer bachelor's degrees. So if you do decide to attend a community college for two years while possibly earning an associate's degree prior to transferring to another college or university to complete your bachelor's, you will again need to research to confirm that the credits from the community college will transfer to the college or university that you plan on ultimately graduating from. Now, if you are still on the fence about whether or not to attend a community college, at least to start your college education, go do this quick Google search. First, search your local community college cost per credit, and then search your local four-year college or university cost per credit and be prepared to have your mind blown at the difference. Now let's transition to tips for the pre-PA student on their financial independence journey when they are in college or undergrad. Again, a lot of these things are simply suggestions for you to consider. I understand that not everyone's path is completely the same, but I am suggesting these things as something for you to consider to try to help optimize your personal finances in your financial independence journey. Perhaps you decided that attending a community college for your first two years of undergrad was the right decision for you. That brings me to the next step that would be suggested to try to save some money while you attend undergrad. I would suggest that you consider living at home during undergrad. Now again, I completely recognize that some people may choose to pursue the quote college experience while they are in undergrad. If you are the type of person that truly feels as though you would value that college experience, which would include living on campus, being able to make new friends and roommates while living on campus, being able to be closer to school and part of the quote action then perhaps living at home is not the right decision for you. However, many community colleges simply do not have on-site housing. If both you and your family members are on board with the idea, 
consider living at home and commute to school. This will save you so much on housing costs. You also may save some on meal costs if your family is willing to share some of the delicious homemade meals that they make with you. Consider pitching in and taking turns with other family members to cook meals and trade on and off to do so. This next concept can be considered whether you are going to community college or whether you are attending college or university. This is the concept called house hacking that I encourage you to consider. This concept right now is so interesting to me, but I was completely unaware of this idea when I was an undergrad. The concept of house hacking is an idea that is an alternative to you just renting an apartment with a couple of roommates or living on campus. If you are able to financially afford to, perhaps you have saved some money from working in high school, consider buying a duplex or a triplex or even a entire small but affordable house to live in one area of the residence while renting out the other areas or units to either roommates or tenants. The income that you had received from the roommates or tenants would likely cover most, if not all, of the mortgage, allowing you to live for free while building equity in the property. You likely would continue to house hack until you and your partner start your lives together. However, many couples will choose to continue to house hack if the roommates or tenants are in a more separate area of the property. This is all, of course, assuming that everyone would be on board with the idea. Housing costs consume approximately one-third of people's living expenses, so house hacking is a great way to reduce that cost. If you do decide to live on campus, this suggestion would be for you. Consider becoming an RA or resident assistant. If you decide to become an RA, you can enjoy discounted or possibly even free room and board at your college or university. Being an RA sometimes also allows free or discounted meal plans or a monthly stipend. However, since there are so many benefits to becoming an RA, many students are applying to only a few RA spots So sometimes it can be a very competitive process to becoming an RA. The next step that I would suggest is just a gentle reminder to continue to apply to many scholarships even while you are in undergrad. You often can receive more scholarships when you are transferring from a two-year school to a four-year school or if you decide to transfer between colleges for any other reason. My next suggestion for trying to save while being a pre-PA student in undergrad would be to buy used textbooks for classes or rent them. There are many students at your school who have already taken the classes that you'll be taking next semester, and they already have the exact same textbook that you will need, and they likely will never look at that book ever again. They very likely will be happy to sell you the book so they can recoup a small amount of the cost of the book versus just letting the book lie around collecting dust. Even if your professor highly suggests the next updated edition of the textbook, typically the changes between editions are so minute that using an older textbook would perfectly be fine. There are now several websites or companies where you can rent textbooks that you will need for the semester. Once you are done with the rented book, you simply ship it back to the company for the next person to use. My next suggestion is about how to obtain healthcare experience and 
patient care experience in an FI way. Patient care experience is experience in which you are directly responsible for a patient's care. And healthcare experience can be paid or unpaid work that is in the healthcare field where you are not directly responsible for a patient's care. Many programs nowadays like to see a bit of both of these things when you are applying to the program. Again, please do your research and look online at the PA programs that you are thinking that you are wanting to apply to to see what their recommended hours for these things are. Some pre-PA students can start getting their experience in high school, but many of them start while they're in undergrad or after they've graduated with their bachelor's degree during a gap year before getting into a PA program. There are so many different options out there to obtain experience, and I encourage you to consider ones that don't require a lot of money to be able to get trained in before you can start working. For example, you certainly could become an RN or a surgical tech or an ultrasound tech before applying to PA school, but the cost of those programs can be fairly costly. Whereas if you consider becoming a CNA or a phlebotomist or a medical assistant, sometimes those can be more affordable to be trained in. However, if you absolutely for sure want to pursue any of these options first, go ahead and do so because the choice is ultimately yours. This is another area where you would need to do research on whether the PA programs you are hoping to apply to will accept certain experience as patient care experience or healthcare experience. For example, I have read that working as a medical assistant can actually sometimes be counted as both depending upon what your duties as a medical assistant are. If part of your day you are taking vitals of patients, rooming the patients, reviewing their medication lists, providing vaccinations, then that would be patient care experience in the eyes of most PA programs. However, if you are working as a medical assistant and in the same day you are also on the phone with a lot of patients or trying to help get some prior auths approved, then that would count as healthcare experience because you are not hands-on with the patient at that time. So again, please do your research with the PA programs and try to figure out what type of experience they are wanting their applicants to have and how many hours of each type of experience. All right, so this next set of recommendations are for the pre-PA students who are juniors or seniors in college that are planning to apply to PA programs. So let's review how to apply to PA school in a cost-effective way. First, look at all of the required prereqs of each program that you are considering very carefully. We have touched on a bit of this already, but so many PA programs have so many different requirements for their prerequisites. Sure, many of the prereqs are pretty standard. Those would include biology classes, chemistry, anatomy and physiology, etc. However, I recall one PA program that I was considering applying to that listed zoology as a requirement for a prereq. I mean, come on, I was applying to PA school, not vet school. But for some reason, they wanted their applicants to have taken a zoology course. Needless to say, I ended up not applying to that school because I simply did not have any zoology courses that I completed in undergrad. While you are taking your prereqs in undergrad, try to do so in an orderly and timely manner 
so that you are not left with one or two extra classes to take for one more final semester. And most importantly, do not waste the time and money on applying to PA programs where you have not completed all of the prereqs. Pre-PAs apply to PA programs through CASPA, which stands for Centralized Application Service for Physician Assistance, and they charge a fee for every single application to every single PA school that you apply to. It is absolutely not worth paying the fee to apply to a PA program if you did not meet the prerequisites as your application would not be considered anyway. My next suggestion for you while applying to PA programs is that you research the cost of tuition of each of the programs that you are considering. It is amazing to look at the vast amount of cost variability amongst PA programs throughout the country. Additionally, look into the cost of in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition at some of the PA programs that you are considering. And the next step is your friendly reminder to apply to more scholarships. Some PA programs, as well as other organizations, will have scholarships available for PA students. My final suggestion when you are applying to PA programs, and this suggestion can also be considered during undergrad in general, would be to consider joining the military. This concept is actually a very fitting idea for a PA, as the origin of the PA profession has roots in the military. In fact, the very first PA class, which was Duke University's PA program, was comprised of former military corpsmen. Many subsequent PA classes also had former military personnel attend once they returned home from war. If you decide that being a PA in the military is the right path for you, you can often get your PA tuition paid for through the military. This is something to consider for sure. Unfortunately, many PAs graduate PA school with over six figures in student loan debt. Often, this debt is from a combination of both undergrad and PA school. I hope that these tips of how to consider personal finances and your financial independence journey in high school as a pre-PA student, undergrad as a pre-PA student, and while you are applying to PA programs help you to be able not to have an exorbitant amount of student loan debt when you are starting to practice as a new PA graduate. If you can keep the total amount of your student loan debt down, this will ultimately help your net worth and ultimately give you a jump start to pursue financial independence. Thank you for taking the time to tune in to listen to this episode of some five tips for pre-PA students. Next week on the podcast, we are going to discuss some financial independence tips for PA students to consider while they are in PA school. If you have found the information in this podcast helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you gave it a five-star rating and write a review of what you have enjoyed about listening to this podcast. It helps other people to be able to find this podcast and hopefully they are able to find some of the information in here helpful for them. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. 
please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on. But more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.